0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome back to another Porsche Cooled podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things Porsche. Today, we're joined again by Steve and his GT3. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Steve's coming. It is. It is. Uh, Steve's (laughs) coming all the way from Sydney, Australia, again. If you've watched or listened, I should say, any of these podcasts, you would know that already. Steve's from Australia. He has a Nine nine seven point one gt gt3 white very very beautiful car have you been for a drive this
1: week steve i did i went out yesterday um and it's nice and sunny in sydney and i hope to kind of go and do the same today i should be working but i'm not going to so well for now where did you go i just went and visited john at pro stitch Picked up my little um, RS style door pulls, which I had recovered in Alcantara and the center lid console, which he embossed with a logo for me as well. Um, I'll take some pickies for you and you can have a look. Okay, cool. Or so these are the parts,
0: yeah, but these are the parts, so these are the parts that um, you were going to get done in the UK, but decided to get them done in Sydney, right?
1: Yeah, not because of anything apart from I'm too stupid to work out how to um, send them to the UK without avoiding all the kind of horrible VAT duty on the way in, Um, and because Australia is so far, is so expensive in terms of all the shipping costs. So yeah, um, I I had a bad experience because I was um, going to get Gary um, at FX to kind of help me with um, the um, inserts, and I just sort of discovered from. The bad way, the stupid way. Exactly how difficult it is to kind of send stuff across. Um, yeah, which that's... sounds weird in this in this in this modern kind of world, but it wasn't easy. And I think COVID also makes it a lot um, takes takes a lot longer to kind of send something. So
0: yeah, that that is a problem. And I have to admit, I got a uh, I got an email from. Um, the guy here in the UK. So apparently my things, my leather parts, I'm still not sure how many or what he's actually made because he hasn't told me. Mm. Um, hopefully not everything I asked for because I I actually cancelled a couple of things. Um, Oops. <laughs> so hopefully it's not everything. So I don't know what's going on. But he said he'll have it finished by end of the week, ready to be sent out. But um, just to uh, so everyone, all the listeners know where I am, I'm actually back in London. Uh, I flew from Bahrain, at 2 o'clock this morning, uh, Bahrain time, and I flew back to London. And actually, it was it was pretty good. It was actually not that bad. Um, flying felt really weird, though, Steve. It felt very, very weird after all this time. And you know I fly a lot, and uh. it, it was strange. I mean, I know it's only been, I think it's been six months since I've been in a plane, but that's a long time for me. Um, so it felt kind of weird. Um Is it nerve-wracking, or...? No, it's just it's just odd. It's just like I don't know. Like I actually felt a bit nervous before we left Bahrain. I actually felt yeah. a bit nervous about actually flying and a bit like I wasn't really uh, on top of things. I don't think I think that was the problem. I wasn't really on top of what was going on. So, but when we got to the airport, everything was fine. Um, very very quiet. Uh, Bahrain Airport was is only a small airport until the new one opens. So it's it was very quiet. Not really many people flying. Our flight was quite empty. Um, as I said to you earlier, I got there really, really early. You were told to get there really, really early and it was a waste of time. We didn't need to get there that early. So we we're just waiting around a lot. And then UK, UK, you have to now, uh, in Australia, you have to quarantine for two weeks. In UK, you have to also quarantine, but self-isolate for two weeks. So we're supposed to stay in the flat, in the apartment here, uh, and not go out only if it's for essentials such as, uh, food or medicine so we ordered food in we actually got groceries delivered so that's all sorted Um, but yeah it's a bit mandatory
1: to wear a mask in the UK
0: it's not mandatory but I tell you what because I'm used to wearing it in Bahrain and in Bahrain it is mandatory and you get fined if you don't wear them Mm. I wore them uh, I wore it we wore it from the back from the airport uh, I went back down, I had to go down to the concierge here in our building to pick up some parcels and I wear it. And I tell you what, no one else is wearing a mask. In fact, you feel like people are looking at you like, are you sick? Because you've got a mask on. It. I kind of yeah, felt it's like It's just that. concerning, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's a bit weird. I don't, I don't know if you've kept up with it, but um, in Melbourne, there's a sort of outbreak again. It's getting quite bad. Um, I live in Sydney. Um, so they've just cottoned on to the fact that, well, they've made wearing masks mandatory in Melbourne, which... I I sort of think that they should have done that all along, Um, even if it's because you're protecting other people. That's exactly a a good reason to do it. I don't reckon it'll be too far along before Sydney or New South Wales does the same thing, but
0: see what happens. I saw the, uh, before we left Bahrain, I saw the anti-mask protests in UK. There was some protest going on about it. Honestly, I, I really don't see what the big deal is. To me, it's like it's not a big deal. Um, maybe that's because in Bahrain, like I said, everyone's wearing it, and it, it's just like the norm. So you kind of, I guess, when I first started wearing it, it was a bit weird. But now, because it's been going on for months, it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be one of those people. I tell you now that waste my time saying I'm going to be anti-mask and I'm not wearing one. I would just wear it. I don't see what the big deal is. But that's another discussion, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. But what I was getting onto. So I'm in London, like I said, you know that. London's great. It's very green. It's not dirt and sand. It's not all the buildings aren't beige like <laughs> in Bahrain. <laughs> it's it's nice to see some some green. It's nice to see the Thames. I mean, it's very pleasant. The air's nice. Bahrain was just getting way way too hot. Um, but anyway, so what I was getting onto. So I'm going to get those parts, uh, those leather parts. Uh, I'm going to get them delivered um, here instead. Um, just in case I, there's something wrong with them, and just to save some money with the shipping. It's exciting.
1: It is. It is. I hope he you just has put a, them on your desk and take lots of photos and yeah. not quite the same as installing it. But.
0: yeah, I, I I actually asked him. I actually asked him to take some photos for me before he um, sends it to me. But I don't have an invoice or anything yet. I'm still in the same situation I was weeks ago, so I'm still waiting. Um, but at least he's been takes working good on photos. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these craftsmen always take a lot of long time. You just have to get used to it, I guess. Yep. All right. So you've driven your GT3. I haven't driven anything mm-hmm. except the old beaten-up Audi in Bahrain. It's very boring. I keep seeing people buying new Porsches online, which is really depressing.
1: I get very mm-hmm. envious. Um, but anyway. So, so you might be buying a beat-up Q7 as your second car to go alongside your 997? No. No. <laughs> I've been watching I you know I've been I'm still
0: obsessed with Bring a Trailer. I know it's in the US and I know whatever, but it's interesting to see these auctions and what things go for. Like some hmm. of these auctions, some of these cars are just going for crazy. You know, I was going to get into this later, but there's a there's an old BMW M3 on there at the moment, like an mm-hmm. 88 model. And the it's, original one. it's it's a 10. lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a it's a 1988. I think it's about to finish actually. I think it might be finishing in a day, so it's well-progressed auction, um, mm-hmm. but it's a 1988 M3. Uh, it's mm-hmm. at 124000 US dollars. That's crazy. And it's got 8,000 miles, oh, which okay. is nothing. <laughs> so it's 8,000 mile, 1988 BMW M3. It's got 28 minutes to run actually because I'm looking at it now and it's 124000 I don't wow. know. That, that shocked me, that one. I thought that was way too much.
1: Mm, but, I suppose it's the mileage, isn't it? You're not really going to drive that car a hell of a lot unless you're Ferriston Zuckerman. Yeah, well, that's the
0: thing. That's when I saw it. It looked like one of his cars. I thought maybe he's selling his car, but it wasn't. Um, mm. Anyway, let's get on to that later. So, Steve, what's the topic
1: today? Mm. What are we talking about? Uh, I would tried to segue you just then, mate. It was, <laughs> uh... <laughs> See, I'm the, getting good at this. The mic's no, no, in your hand. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about, I, uh, I think I made the suggestion just because in the last podcast we would, uh, you mentioned um, our second car and I know you kind of, uh, you've been talking about um, your next car at, uh, quite a lot and you've kind of bounced anywhere from <laughs> an SUV in Bahrain to a 912 for, I'm assuming that's a, another Sydney car. Sydney car, yeah. So... Um, I thought that was an interesting enough thing to kind of talk about in terms of um, pretend you've got your 997 and it's a keeper, which um, I believe it sounds like it is for you. It definitely is for me. Um, What car would you put alongside it in the garage? So
0: we're going to call this podcast The Best
1: Car to Go Alongside a
0: 997 in Your Garage. Correct? Sure about that? You've just said that. Uh, See, I think I confuse people, right? Because I know I talk uh. about a lot of cars, and I, I guess I just talk about what's in my head. And unfortunately, okay. my head at the moment is pretty messed up. Like, there's a lot of things in there, a lot of vehicles in there driving, <laughs> driving around. <Okay. laughs> Which you know, and the nine. I have to say to you, the nine twelve. And I know you weren't a fan of the nine twelve when I first told it to you, but the nine twelve <clears throat> is one on my list only because, only because one, I think it's a really good investment. Two, a a comparable 911 of the same year, of that same generation, is uh, three times as much, two to three times as much value-wise. There seems to be a lot more 912s coming up on the market. There seems to be a lot of people. I mean, since I even started talking about 912s, I think there's four on car sales in Australia. I mean, I think two are modified. That beige one, the sand beige one is still for sale, which I still really, really like. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think there's four for sale now. Another black one turned up the other day. Um, But I watched them on – I just watched the prices, right? I just watched the market. um, And I guess it's like I remember a story you told me years ago about Ferrari, how you went to some function. I think it was – you went to something, some school or something in Wollara, and everyone had Ferraris, and they were talking about Ferraris. Do you remember that story? Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah, they were all into investing in Ferraris. Three hundred eight GTS or something. I don't know enough about Ferraris. <laughs> and the I was mixing with a crowd that I don't normally mix with, and they were they were talking about Ferraris and the values of things. I suppose it's like anything, watches stock, whatever. <laughs> but that's
0: when they thats when they weren't that expensive, you know what I mean? That was when the yeah. Ferraris weren't that expensive. And I guess you need to watch the market. I guess car market is like share market, right? You have to like have an intuition or have to know when you want to buy. But you can see, I can see already, like a, a 912 that was for sale on Bring a Trailer, a burgundy mm. one, and if anyone's listening and watch that auction, it sold for 48,000 US dollars, right? It had patina, mm. it was slightly lowered. I think it's a seller... I think the seller's name's is Wob or W-O-B, who sells quite a few good cars, like a lot of, I think he sold a few 912s before, um, mm-hmm. but it hit 48,000, like they're already in the high 40s, and if you look at the history of, of the prices, I think they're around 35, and now they're hitting high 40s, and these aren't, you know, mint cars, these are, these are cars with patina, these are cars with chips, these are cars that have a good interior and a solid engine, but they're, they're getting up in price, um, <clears throat> so I'm watching them. But, you know, and I think I've said this before, if you buy one from the US, one, you're going to have a left-hand drive car in Australia. It's going to be on heritage plates, right? Um, to get it into Australia at a decent price, you really have to spend no more than 35,000 US because no doubt you're going to have to do stuff to it and then you get, you know, GST and et on it onto it. So I think 35,000 US works out to be about 70,000 Australian and then you could do some work on it yourself. You know what I mean?
1: Um, yeah, um, but I've talked for the about the record. Mm. I'm not. Um, I, I just don't know enough about them. I don't. Uh, I don't really follow sort of um, that that vintage or that era of um, Porsches. So I have no real understanding of it. Like to me, they look <coughs> they look amazing. They definitely look really cool. I've got no idea about the driving experience. My um, uncle, who I've mentioned before, has quite a few old cars in his sort of backyard. He's got like a BM two double two TI and a and a different one. He's got like old beetles and Minis and stuff like that. And he loves them. Absolutely loves them. But I think the driving experience was obviously very different. And um the only thing I worry about with that type of um thing as a second car would be the amount of money that you have to plunge into it. I think about the amount of money I plunged into a um nine six four on a nine nine three and at the time they weren't that old but um i think depending on how particularly you are about the thing and how often you drive it etc um my worry would be with something like that but and this is purely speculative because i have absolutely no understanding of it is that that could be just like a massive money pit
0: <laughs> yeah you're probably right you're probably right um so a that's list. My... like
1: if you if you, if you had, sorry, if you had like, um, so you budgeted, I don't know, what, like 120 grand, like all in, in terms of literally buying a car, doing some work on it, and maybe like a year's worth of maintenance in that first year of ownership. If, if, if I had 120 grand to spend, I hmm, wonder what, I'm not sure I'd spend 120 well, on that. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And that's
0: what um, Natasha says as well. You know, she'd rather yeah. have something nicer to drive in. And and I've shown her some of the videos of the 912 and it looks a little bit not so, I don't know, comfortable, I guess. I mean, it's an old car. I mean, I've driven old cars, you know, I've driven old minis and I've driven all these old cars, you know, many years ago in high school. So, you know, friends had all these sort of old cars, old Escorts and old minis and things like that, old Holdens. Um, So I know what they like to drive. They're not great. I mean, Porsche is still, I think, at the pinnacle of that, of the generation. Like, 70s Porsches are obviously better than a 70s Australian-made Holden car. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it's still a better car. Um, but I think, you know, that, that is always something in the back of your mind. Like, what else can you get for around the same price? So, if you end up spending 120000 you know, and this is why I always talk about all these different cars because it's, 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 it's hard. If you can't have, if you're just normal people like us. And you can mm-hmm. have two cars. It's not easy to pick two cars, as you know, because there's so many cars that fit so many different purposes. And you can see these people, you know, in social and stuff that have all these cars. And I'm not talking about, you know, YouTubers with flashy Lamborghinis. I'm just talking about average people with really nice collector cars, like the real Zuckerman, yep. for example. You can yep. see why you, 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 if, you have the, if you have the means that you would end up with a lot of cars. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, for sure. You can see it. And, you know, even in Porsche, you know, like I said, you know, I, I've been talking about the 912, as do the listeners of this podcast. The 996 Turbo is another one which I still haven't, I still have some attraction to that 996 Turbo. Um, mm-hmm. And also because, as you know, it's only one of the couple of uh, 996 generation that doesn't have the IMS ish- issue. Um, so why then- are you keen on that one? I think it's I think it's really underpriced. I think I think I like the shape of it. I think it's really underpriced. I think it's really still undervalued. Even even yep. people still wanting, you know, 120, 130. I think there's one guy in Australia that's been trying to get 165 for months, but it's very low kilometers. But there's right. a there's a grey one for sale at the moment for 99,000. It's got red interior. It has I think 100,000 kilometers, and it's 99 grand. I mm-hmm. think that's a really good buy for 99 grand. Even with 100 Hundred and ten or whatever thousand kilometers it's got on it, and it's got a red interior, which is not everyone's taste. But in the turbo, I kind of think in years to come, it kind of works. Um, yeah. Maybe that's my problem being in Bahrain for so long. I'm starting to get used to full red interiors. Um
1: so
0: <laughs> <laughs> next, next, um, I'll be specing a burgundy car with a full red leather
1: interior or something like that. Gold go gold. Um, yeah, nine nine six turbo would be an amazing car, but again, it's probably more whether or not um, is it different enough from your 997 in terms uh, of the actual kind of experience that's a, that's the point that's the point but see uh
0: the carrera 4s right it's mm-hmm. not like a childhood dream car or anything like that but i remember looking at that car in scuds in willoughby and seeing it in the in when it was out new you know what i mean mm-hmm. when we lived yep. nearby there and, t- and we touch and i'd go for a walk or a run and we'd go past the dealership and i always thought that's a really nice car especially from the rear it always had a really good rear um but then you got the Carrera 4S, and that's, that is almost a little bit too similar to the 997, right? I know it's a 4S, but it's probably too close. And there are, my microphone is playing up today, so sorry for the noise in the background. Um, and, then, and then you go to the cheap, the cheap option, yep. and that's a 986 Boxster.
1: 986 Boxster, yep.
0: Yeah, the first generation. So you do the Magnus Walker thing and you try to get a car out of the first generation. So maybe you get a 996 Carrera 98 model full of problems but potential or you get an early Boxster or you get
1: an early Boxster. But how much is that going to cost you? Mm, Early Boxster is pretty cheap. You see occasionally on um, Autohouse, they occasionally have – 986 Boxsters kind of pop up really low mileage and stuff like that I've driven quite a few of those in the time Um, as lone cars my uncle kind of had a couple as well Um, my cousin had one my which is my uncle's son Um, and they're they're awesome cars um, but I'm not quite sure if they've stood the test of time or not in terms of don't know. I guess it just depends on your standards in terms of the kind of quality of the feel of the interior and everything. And I suspect even like right now, the driving experience would be, wouldn't be as kind of sharp and um, by today's standards. I think it would feel quite floaty and possibly a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. And like, don't don't, and don't don't get me wrong. Like compared to you know an equivalent three series or you know a golf, like I'd much rather have an old Boxster over that. But um, you know, like you've heard me talk about, um, if, if, and we're talking complete fantasy land at the moment. If I was to kind of get another car just for fun, um, I'd love a, a sort of more recent Spider. Like um, the brand new GT4 Spider would be a brilliant car. And like, okay, so switch to me for a second. Like, I'd. Why do I think of that one? It's like, well, because I think like top down. Um, the top-down experience would be pretty amazing. Um, It's sort of like a couple of generations more modern than my 997 GT3, so I think it would be significantly different. Um, uh, Yeah, for sure, like you talked a little bit, um, obviously, when you're sort of thinking about this type of stuff, again, hypothetically, you think about the value of it and I think probably it sounds like it's going to be made in low enough numbers to, you know, not, Kind of completely tank Mm, um, mm. money wise, but yes, I reckon that would be a fun car. But
0: I I love that car. I've, I've, you know, I think I said last time I watched a couple of YouTube videos, Mm. I forget who it was, I think Matt Farris, one of them, and there was someone else, it was quite a few. But that, Mm. that spider, that latest generation spider, it's really, really good. Yeah, looks great. It's really, really good. And And I would choose that over the GT4. I would actually, I would, I know that's. People probably go for the GT4, but I would
1: take the Spider. I would take the Spider. Wow. If you had
0: another car, if you had another car, De- if you had I was a- about
1: to, exactly about to say that. Depends on what else you've kind of got in the garage kind of thing. And uh, I, I know this is just a, uh, a topic of, you know, chit-chat kind of thing. But um, if you kind of keep in mind that you've got your car in the garage, then I just – I guess I would have thought that um, – Uh, It's funny because like um, go back to your 997 as an example, like the 997 in terms of your car is quite practical. So Mm. you can kind of view it in that sort of way. It's like, okay, so is your 997 your daily car and then you go and get like a really fun car or is your 997 your fun car and, you you know, if you needed a practical car to kind of take the kids to school and and all that sort of stuff, which is more my situation, um, you know, what else do you kind of stick next to it?
0: I think I think the 997 Carrera, I think the 997 Carrera that I have with the, the new box of spider, I think that's quite a good combination. Um mm. I think that's quite a good combination. I think if you if I didn't have the Carrera I don't know the Spider, I don't think you'd want to have a Spider and a GT3 would you not really not really.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um I would but I would go with nine eight seven GT three plus a new spider. An old spider, say like a the equivalent, what is it, nine eight seven? That was the model, before it was the model 4 before. One. Yeah, yeah, the one model four yeah, before I'm not that's quite, quite nice. sure about that. But um in Australia they're still up over a hundred and something grand and they're they're very rare. They're a lot more rare than um the G T four, so very hard to kind of come by. I reckon that'd be a great car though.
0: I don't know when I went on the configurator and specced out a new box of spider. They work out quite expensive. I think they end up mm. about even with a couple of options. You're at already at two thirty, two forty Australian dollars drive away. So I, I think it's quite a lot. It's quite a lot because you know they're going to come down. They'll drop down in price. Look at the look at the last generation GT four. You know what I mean. So well, that, that's at about 140,
1: 140, 40, 140 Australian
0: dollars, hundred and forty thousand Australian dollars. So that's about a hundred good value. What's that, about 100000 US dollars? I'm not sure what they are in the US. Uh, So what's that, 70,000, 70-odd thousand pounds, 65,000 pounds?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of them.
0: There is a lot of them, yeah. And a lot of them don't have the lightweight buckets either. It seems that a
1: lot of people that bought that um, GT4 just got the standard comfort seats. I think because when they first did all the deliveries of the first cars, I don't think you could get the lightweight buckets in them. Remember there was was that shortage, I'm sure, like with... um, Mm -hmm the equivalent gt3s um i kept reading that um particular estates um even if you wanted them you couldn't get them or it would delay yeah. your order
0: i think you'd wait though i don't think i wouldn't take an order without them after sitting in yours and hearing andreas putinger talk about how comfortable they are and that's the the one of the mm. two main options that he was speaking on that podcast with was that, with, spike. on that was on spike sky radio Yeah. spike yeah. sky radio and the two main options he said ceramic brakes and lightweight buckets
1: Did he say ceramics? No, he did too. Yep. He
0: said ceramic brakes and lightweight buckets, and he said also don't get rid of the PCM. It makes no difference deleting the PCM. You don't save that much weight. Oh, that's right. And he said make sure you have air conditioning. Actually, don't delete the air conditioning. That's what he was talking about because some people actually want their GT3s without air conditioning. I don't know why he did that because he said the weight you save is nothing, and the weight you save by getting the lightweight buckets is much, much greater, and that's a better option. Mm. So... Yeah. But I think that's a problem with, and we've spoke about this, I think, in another previous episode, didn't we? but I think that's a problem with Porsche at the moment. When people go onto to the configurator and people have to buy, new, when they want to buy a new Porsche, it's quite confusing now, don't you think? There is so many options, you know what I mean? I don't and actually spend much time on it. If you, if you go if on it though, all. but there's so <laughs> many options, there is so many options, Steve, and there's so many options that are tied to other things, you know what I mean? It, it's not, you know, some people may may see it as being fun. But I think other people might see it as be a little bit frustrating. You know what I mean? Mm. And then when you yeah. start specking it out, you know you're up to thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars just in options. So it works out very expensive. So what would you world, choose? So
1: like f- that's that's um, buying a brand new car. And yes. I'm, I very rarely buy brand new cars. Like I'm a scrounger, and therefore kind of looking at sort of slightly used type things or like very used kind of things, hopefully with lower mileage. Um, So I don't know. I think it's a completely different mindset if you've got, you know, let's face it, if you're buying a brand new Porsche, then you're happy to spend in excess of like, I don't know, 160, 170, I guess, um, which is a very different kind of um, proposition to sort of thinking in your brain that you're going to spend Say like a hundred grand on a used McCann or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, what other brands?
0: What do you What are you um, thinking about? What other brands?
1: I well, mean, Mercedes Benz yeah. comes
0: to mind to me, and BMW comes to mind, and Ferrari comes to mind. But I think you should talk.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, exactly. So, look, um, you use me as an example. Um, recently, you talked. Um, I think in the previous couple of podcasts, I had had a 1M alongside the GT3. That's when I was not married. Um, And that was an amazing car, such a cool car. Um, That was supposedly my everyday runabout, um, more practical car, which it was, but it had tons of character, like in spades, just just as much as a 911. Um, So I can't. I can't um, glow more than that about a, a one and I'm very sad that it's gone I'll have to have one again one day. Um, that was that was my only M car that I've had. But so for argument's sake, say you need something a little bit more practical because my GT3 also has a roll cage in the back because it's a club sport, which means I've got no rear seats. And now that I've got a kid, um, I'm going to have to kind of ferry like kids small people around so we weighed it all up and we wound up um for my wife getting a mccann turbo um we would have been quite happy with the mccann just a standard s um a gts is actually bizarrely more expensive than a turbo on the used market yeah i may be saying um yeah so we wound up with a, a 2015 um turbo with 30 something thousand k on it um because basically it was it was amazing value like we set a budget and for five grand more um than the set budget that cindy um sort of dictated to me i went out and found a turbo instead because it um had all the options spec out
0: but macans are great um, right they're great because they have a better transmission than the kyan for example right Mm-hmm. Much better transmission, correct? Because the Cayenne doesn't have PDK, right? It just has normal automatic, correct? I think.
1: Um, I'm
0: not sure. I don't well, think the Cayenne. I, I don't think the Kion has double double clutch. I don't think it has the the PDK. From my memory, yeah. I don't I don't know a lot about them. But the Macan always gets really good reviews. People always say it's a great drive, and it's it's one of the best. Right? It's one of the best that size yeah, sort yeah, of SUVs.
1: Yeah. Uh, like, you could, I probably sound like I'm a bit indifferent to it, but I think I'm probably slightly, I don't know, I've got a slightly strange point of view, which is, um, so like for our purposes, that's Cindy's car. And as long as she's happy and I get to keep my car, then I'm, she can have whatever she wants and I'm completely happy. Um, but it looks good. I sound it's so a... spoiled. Look, yeah, I, so don't get me wrong. I like driving it, um, you know, I and drive it quite a lot, but, um, it's hard to not feel like it's a little bit
0: boring. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? To a lot of people listening, I'm sure they're going, "What is what is wrong with you?" That is a perfect two car Porsche garage. You've got a 997 yeah, GT3 yeah. and you've got a, a Macan Turbo. Sure, it's not the latest one and whatever, but it's still it doesn't matter because the the model you have or the new model, they both look good. There's very little difference really, except in the dash. Um, but as a yeah. but as a as a duo, that's a great duo, Steve. You know it really is. Yeah, it's a really good I'd, duo. And I so, know what you don't get and me I, wrong, but I know what you said when you went on the the mountain roads and you went on the twisty roads. The Macan just didn't didn't live up to what you had in your head, I guess, because you're so used to the GT3. You know what I mean? Exactly.
1: It's um, it's because you get so spoiled. Like when with the GT3, with the kind of interesting exhaust and all of that sort of stuff, the experience is so kind of. Um, there's so much kind of going on in it. You jump into any other car and it feels really boring. And that like I know that's partly the point because you want your other car in this particular instance, you probably want it to be a lot more comfortable and stuff like that. Um and for that then you lose some of the engagement. But um I'll use a different reference point. So say it wasn't a McCann Turbo and I still stand by this. Um, if we didn't get a turbo then and it was more up to me so like to be honest um cindy really wanted an suv because she likes the um the feeling of sitting up high um i would have potentially opted for something more like a an old amg c63 so um my my mum drives on my <laughs> my 70 year old mum poodles around in a six point Two liter V8. What model?
0: What year is that again? I forget. What model year
1: was that? 2008. 2010. Okay. You want to get one that's 2010 onwards because they've got like a funny issue in the um, the head bolts, I think it is. Right. Um, so I drive that car um, regularly. I sort of borrow it and sort of um, piddle around in that. And see, by comparison, um, I don't see that as being any less practical than the Macan in terms of physical space, like to kind of put kids' seats, stuff in the boot, you know, carry pot plants around or yeah, shopping or whatever else. Um, and that whole experience is dominated by that engine and it's a great engine. Um, that thing yeah. sounds so good. So, it's definitely not a huge car. i glad have one of those. But it's
0: not a huge car, the Macan, is it? It's not that big. The back seats are not that big. I, I sat in one in yes. Bahrain at the Porsche dealer and I was quite surprised how tight it was actually.
1: It's very deceptive. I think you, you look at them on the outside and you kind of think, like, and this applies not just to the Macans, but um, like um, most of the sort of smaller SUVs, like sort of sub-CAN size, but I really don't think that it's that much bigger than, um, say, like a Golf um, in terms of the actual kind of practical size of the boot and the, the rear seats. Um, we can't fit that much stuff in our boot.
0: Well, I when I saw it, I went to Porsche in Bahrain and mm. I sat in the Macan first um, and I thought, oh, it feels good in, in the front seats. It felt fantastic. Like There's plenty of room. You know the dash is well laid out. You know it's typical Porsche. It's everything feels like it's in the right spot. Then you sit in the back and it's go. It's a bit small. Then you open the back and it's like, wow, this is not very big. And maybe I'm basing it on the Audi Avant that I used to have. It just doesn't. It didn't feel like it was a lot of space there. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm maybe I'm misled. But then, then unfortunately, as soon as I sat in the Macan, I sat in a Panamera, a base Panamera. Mm -hmm. And then you sit in that, and it's just like (laughs) there's just so much room. You know what I mean? um well let's see, okay so, so use that sure. as an example
1: too i considered and i tried to talk cindy into um that would have been like the sort of revised second generation um panamera as a as an as an option i remember there was one that kind of popped up that had the v8 i think it was a gts um it had really low k's it was in like a small dealership and i think they just wanted just over, I think it was about 110 or 115 um Aussie, Aussie dollars for it. And that was more than what we paid for the McCann, like, and in the end probably a decent amount more. But um, I reckon that would have been more practical. Um, from, and now it's been the kind of focus to me more than Cindy. I, w- I reckon I would have kind of gotten maybe more enjoyment out of it because of the V8 um, as such. I reckon the driving experience would be amazing. The looks are very polarising. I love the look of the new ones. Um, the old ones, I think, you kind of have to get used to. But I reckon it's one of those cars where you go, "Oh, it's a bit ugly," but you you love it to bits because the ugliness you um, you conveniently morph into kind of personality or character kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're ugly. I mean, I, I see a lot of them now because there are a lot in Bahrain. They're very, very popular. Uh, the very- old ones or the new ones? Both. both. There's a lot of old ones. There's a lot of the pre- ne- the previous generation. There's there's a lot of new ones. Um, there's a lot around, basically. There's quite a few. You see a lot of GTS. Uh, GTS, I mean, they're not that expensive used, um, but then you have the problem with up. I think the maintenance on the Panamera is a bit scary. Uh, and then there's always those, those stories about the air suspension and, and trying to get the air suspension fixed. And maybe that's just a Middle East thing but apparently the cost of servicing that car in the Middle East is really, really expensive. And yeah. at one, sta- yeah. one stage there, I was kind of keen on the Panamera, as you know, and yeah. the GTS is more appealing, but I think you would have to get one without air suspension. In fact, some ads, when they're advertising the Panamera in Bahrain, they say it doesn't have air suspension. Like they actually put it in the ad, which, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a bit of a worry. Uh, it is kind of a bit of a worry. But I don't know if that's true. Yeah, but right. I've just I've just read stuff here and there. Um,
1: no idea. I've got a suspension in the Macan, um, but is that supposedly supposedly one of the desirable um, sort of options in terms of um, yeah, the ride comfort is better. Um, yeah, I've read a few little things like, uh, it, but I think the the bits that I read about it when I looked at it looked it all up was that. Um, Air suspension is very common in like lots of cars these days. Mercs have them, Audis have them. Um, so, obviously, it's a more um, it's a more complicated kind of component. So, if it does crap out, then for sure you're probably up for a bigger bill. Um, you know, I don't think we. Uh, with Macan turbos, a lot of them kind of come with the air suspension.
0: Yeah, but well, if you're having any I troubles like with it. it, I just read the, the the Panamera. Maybe the weight of it. I don't know. I just thought there was uh, yeah, there possibly. was issues with it. Maybe it's an earlier model. Maybe it's not the pre- maybe it's like the earlier ones. Um, but yeah, But it could was be. it was GTS. Um, the Panameras are great. I mean, I still think you yeah. got the great combination. I think Gt3 and the and the Macan's a great combination. But then again, I think that your one M the 1M and the GT3 together is also, I thought, a really good combination. You know what I mean? Like hmm. if you want a really cool pairing, you want two driver's cars. But once again, if you need the space, if you need the space, Steve, as you know, the 1M didn't have any space in the back seats either.
1: No, I reckon Not it much, did. Not much, right? If, 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 if I still had that car, which got traded in for an engagement ring, <laughs> Um it, it doesn't have it's it's only a two door so accessing the back seats is a little bit harder um and yes okay for sure though it's not got as much space as a mccann but um i would just sort of say if anybody's kind of looking at um looking at a second practical kind of car to facilitate your family mccann's and um tiguan's and q5's mercedes what is it gl something or others they're just not as, they're not as roomy as you think that they are, particularly yeah. once you put a, uh, you fold up your stroller and you stick that in the boot and there's no no space left. It's all and, a marketing um, ploy. Yeah. And you stick your, you stick your um, rear facing baby seat um, in the back of the car and you've got to push the front seat so forward that um, you probably couldn't sit in it. Cindy can squeeze in. Um, I can just fit in it, but. Um, no, I found it not- really. I found it really small in the in the macan. But I found it really small yeah. as well in
0: the. Um, as you know, my my other mate, the BMW M2 that he has. When I sat in the when I got a lift in that when I was back at Christmas, mm-hmm. I found that really tight in the back. That it's just typical BMW. They're always really the two. They're always really small in the back seat. Um, but that M2 felt like there was no room at all. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But I quite like the M2. I actually quite like the M2 competitions. Do you like the M2
1: competitions? Yeah. Um, my As uncle's a- got the first gen M2. And so he bought that. I think I still had, did I have my 1M at the time that he took delivery of his? I think, I don't think we crossed over, but it was really fresh in my head. Um, and it's a, that was a very, sorry, still is, very nice car. But, um, if I had the choice, I think I'd save my money and I'd go for a one M, um, just for the kind of character. And again, it's a bit more, it's a little bit more raw. The sort of noise that it makes is a bit more interesting. The way that it looks, the handling is a lot more interesting um, in a one M than an M two.
0: And I think you're. I think um, most people that have driven them say the same. You know, I've I've heard that from other people online that have driven them, both of them, and they they say the one M is still a better car. It's got a better steering feel. Um, you know than the than the m two
1: also like apparently. There's, there's something about a one m where it um holds its value like um it it holds its value really well because of the rarity of it yeah. um since I sold mine um if I still had it it would sort of it would still be worth what I paid for it. I think I made five hundred dollars on it when I sold it and this is um, the thing though it's, it's a... mm. yeah go on it it's it's still it's still really really sought after i can absolutely understand why but then you look at the equivalent uh 1m in australian dollars i think probably spent about i think maybe about 110 120 on your m2 brand new and um possibly three three and a bit years later i think it's worth maybe less than half of that or about half of that so it's depreciated like a normal car whereas um if in the day you had spec'd like a brand new 1M you were one of the lucky owners and you paid you 100 grand for it um depending on the condition you've dropped maybe 20 grand on it 20 mm-hmm. 30 grand tops depending on how much you used and like
0: I keep thinking the 1M and the M2 whichever your preference I think they go really well with a with a 911 I think that's like, yeah, a yeah, good yeah. it's a good match it feels like a good you know Bit of variety, yeah. you know what I mean. There's a bit of variety there, and I think it works, especially if you've got a, a GT3 like you have, and you have one of those. I think it works really, really well. And if you don't need mm. a huge car, it's still a fun car to have. It's still got four seats. It's got more room in the back than a 911. Uh, it's got yeah. seats compared to the GT3, which doesn't have any rear seats. Um, yep. So I think it's quite a it's quite a good option. Um, I still yeah. like the idea, though. I still really do like the idea of like a 997one gt GT3 like yours um, mm-hmm. or .2, I guess. And Mm -hmm. an air-cooled 911. You know what I mean? I still think a lot of people always think that. They want a 997, whether it be a GT3 or a Carrera or Carrera S, and then they want an air-cooled. And I think that's the hardest bit at the moment is actually getting an air-cooled or finding an air-cooled that that hasn't gone too crazy with uh, value, uh, that, like you said, is not going to cost you an arm and a leg to keep into service for the few kilometres or few miles you're doing it each year. Um, mm. and which one is that and that's what i was saying i still think, so I, still which one think do you for? I still think i still think that the money you put into it the 912 mm. is still going to cost you less in my head just from what i've read and i've only just started reading right but you're only getting a you're getting a reasonably slow car right so it's yep. about the experience which i've talked about before but you yep. can you can switch out the engine if you wanted to into a Polo Motors engine, which comes from the US, which is what um, Rod Emery uses in his 356s. He uses a, a Polo motor, I think. Um, so you okay. can up the horsepower. There's, there's a lot of people in the US, but like I said before, but there's not a lot of people I don't think in Australia that do it. Um, so I think in the US you have a lot more options if you want to not
1: make it a matching numbers and you want to start playing with it. Um, but then again... So what sort of money do you need to get into something like that? Like all in, you know, like how I used that example of, I don't know, I just made it up like 120 grand, you know, to buy the car, to Well, I read uh, but... have it in the shape that you want it to be just for the first year. Like what you, sort of money?
0: You could buy, I mean, if you go to Beverly Hills Car Club, which is another site that I go to, and he gets a lot of old Porsches and some are like, you know, some are not in great condition or whatever, I think I, I, I'm guessing is quite reputable. I don't know much about the history of the, of the company, but I just remember in the UK I keep seeing... Old nine twelves and nine elevens with Beverly Hills Car Club stickers, and then I just did a search for it, and the site came up. So that's how I found it. Um, yeah. But you know, you can get you can get nine twelves and you get nine elevens as well if you have a look at his site. Um, but you get nine twelves. You can get some for twenty nine thousand US, and I think the highest price one I saw in his site was forty nine thousand US. But that was an early sixty five model three dial in Irish green nine twelve. So that was mm-hmm. like the sought after color. A very a rarer one because it's three dial only. And it was painted dial. So the back of the dials is painted the, the body color of the car. So it doesn't have mm-hmm. the weave pattern and it doesn't have the five dials. Um, yep. And that was 50. But I guess if, if, if you lived in the US, I guess you buy one for 30. You take it to say Polo Motors and get an engine put in. I think his engines are somewhere around $25,000 US. Yikes. But then, if you do body work and stuff like that, you know what I mean. So, I suppose if you wanted to kit it out, I remember. I think someone said that if you want a Rod Emery Porsche like the Outlaw three five six that he does, or one yeah. of his cars, you have to wait about a year. Um, but I think there's somewhere in excess of like four hundred thousand, or three or four hundred thousand. A Rod Emery three five six Outlaw, I think, sold on Bring a Trailer not that long ago for five hundred thousand US dollars. And it was right. a 98. So this is not matching numbers, you know, like he, he does ev- yeah, yeah, yeah. It for everything. So, um, but I don't know. It so just a, And then someone said that the Keen Safari, the Safari 911s, which Matt Farah has, which yep. is based on a, you get an 87 Carrera, Carrera Dona car or a Carrera Dona car. I don't know how many yep. he's made Keen Safari. I think he might have, I think it's only like a dozen or something. I think he's only up to like a handful. 12. Yeah. Handful, right? But yep. um, to get the Keen Safari conversion is 150000 Yep. 150000 on top of your car. So you literally, I mean, I guess you can get an 87 career in the, U, in the US that is not perfect, right? Maybe yep. you can get it for around 50000 Maybe. I don't know. 50000 for just like an ordinary one. So you're up to 200000 US dollars for a Safari 911. That seems a lot to me. That seems yeah, a so lot. you're talking
1: about a shitload of money. So kind of going back to the original kind of just basic question was with, say, like a 912, if you're up for, uh, I'm still making it up like 100 odd grand, I suppose that's, um, you can't get in, you, you can't get yourself into a 964 for the equivalent money, can you? Well, this, is, this was a
0: question I was going to ask you, and this is I actually heard I actually heard this question being asked on a podcast the other day. I won't bring, say which one; it's the obvious one that I always listen to. One of the two. Um, if you bought a nine six four, would you pick a Carrera two or would you pick a Carrera four? Now, not just based on 2. driving, not just based on the driving experience, but also on the, the up the cost of of running the car, the, the issues. So you say a two as well. So it's not just Easily about. It's not just the purest thing about the two is better. It's the fact that the nine six four has. Is it that the that the four wheel drive system on the nine six four because it was the first one of the first ones or the first four wheel drive system that Porsche did? So yep. therefore, it has some issues. Is that correct? I didn't know about this, so
1: that's why I'm asking you. Um. So I owned mine a long time ago. It never had. I never had any sort of issues with it. But I think it's probably more – it does actually relate a lot to the experience. Um, it feels significantly different. A C4 versus a C2 does feel significantly different in terms of the way that it drives. It's a lot more kind of understeery. It, and, uh, What's the ratio? The,
0: Sorry, Steve. What's the ratio between the front and rear wheels? Do you know? On a 964? Drive. career
1: 4? I can't remember. I actually can't remember.
0: 3070 it, or something?
1: It, it's, it's not – I have no idea. It's not like driving, um, say, like a Quattro, like um, the equivalent sort of Audi of the time or the Subaru. It still feels a lot more characterful like a 911. So it feels a lot more um, rear-wheel drive biased kind of thing. But um, it does does sort of in that sort of era of car um, change the kind of experience a little bit. So... uh, if if you sort of said to me right now that you were on the market for a nine six four, what what would you do? It's like yeah yeah, like I would I would aim for a C two. If if you couldn't find one and a C and an immaculate C four came up, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But um, I think the C two is um, more of an interesting experience, less likely to kind of have issues with it when it does because of the vintage of it. Now um, it's less likely to have kind of issues with it. And value-wise, the C2 will be more des- desirable than the C4. I think that changes when, once you start getting into um, four-wheel drive 997s and um, you know 991s and 2s and stuff like that. Then I think the difference between a C4 and a C2 is um, less obvious kind of thing. So it probably doesn't become as polarizing. But um, in a 964, I'd go a C2. The
0: C2s obviously get a lot more money as well. If you see yeah. them, and, and not as many come up in manual. Like they're, they're quite rare coming up, aren't they?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely <clears throat>
0: the sought after one. It's funny, our last podcast, we were talking about wheels, and you're talking about how great those Speedline wheels were. I was going to send Look. you a link. There's a Carrera 4 for sale on Bring a Trailer. It used to be mm-hmm. owned by the CEO of Porsche America.
1: It's you did one send of the,
0: it to me, the red one. Did I send it to you? Yeah, it's one of those cars yeah, the in one. the ad. It's one of those cars in the ad where all the red cars are all in a circle, and he, they all the dealers apparently North America or dealers around the world went to Porsche to pick up these cars, and they were like yep. um, factory delivery cars. But yep. the speedline wheels are nicer. Huh? Yeah, they're cool. Like they're it looks so good cool, on that one. When I so saw so them, expensive. I thought, man, I see what. you – And I, I, I thought about that when I looked at them. But even in that Guards Red with those speedline wheels, it's a, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but but um, so you did. You did right, actually. Like to go alongside a 997 in your garage. Um, yeah, I'd love to have a an air cooled, an air cooled Porsche um, in there. Whether it was a 964, or 993, slightly older than that. Um, so I don't have again a great deal of experience, but I'm assuming like a 70s or 80s Carrera would be would be pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. What is it? The 70? I keep. Is it 72? I think they say there's a sweet spot, right? Is it 71? 71 uh, Carrera. Let 71 Carrera apparently is one, isn't it? Or 70 or 71 Carrera. And then the yep. 87, 87, 88 Carrera, which is like the one your uncle owned, wasn't it? G50 gearbox. Yeah, the, um, yep. And then, of course, the 964 Carrera 2 and the 993 um, Carrera 2. 993 Carrera 2s in Australia, I'm not sure about the rest of the world, seem to be still getting less money than a 964 Carrera 2. Um yep. There's one for, with about 200,000 kilometres for sale at the moment in Kayama in Australia for 100, 120,000, black one with tan interior, which is actually quite a nice – it looks like it's been looked after and it's got 200,000 kilometres on it. Um,
1: so that's quite nice. I mean, so I do hmm? – still got to have like 120, 130 plus to kind yeah. of do any of this, don't you?
0: But when you find uh, – See, the prices of 912s, if you look in the UK or Europe, they're expensive. They're hitting 40000 £50,000 50, for a one that's had a little bit of work to it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the 912s, they have rusty floors and they have problems with the fuel tank. You know, So you want ones that have had a new fuel tank put in. You want ones that had the floors you know, repaired, etc. Yeah. Um, but you're looking at even – and when you get that landed – you're actually up to that $120,000 mark. And I think that's the problem with the 912. I mean, it's an experience, it's a classic Porsche. Uh, it's still cheaper than getting a, a 67 911, you know what I mean, or a 69 911, yep. depending if you want the long wheelbase, which is a 69 model. Um, yep. but then again, you're up at you're getting close to the 993 price. You know, and as a driving experience and as something that's still a little bit more modern, will you get more out of the 993? Maybe you will. And you've owned a nine nine three,
1: and I think if it was me, then I would sort of say, um, uh, I would say, yeah. If that was the case, then something like the the sort of nine twelve thing that you're 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 talking about, that probably would be more like my fourth, fifth car in the garage, not my second. Yeah, get to that point, but anyway,
0: that's what I'm thinking, isn't it? That's what that's what it is, isn't it? If you have, you know, if you have a nine nine seven Carrera GT three. You have a 993 mm-hmm. or a 964 Carrera 2, yep. And then you get the 912, which is a slow experience, you know, um, sort of car, Ex- experience yep. sort of Porsche, and that's that's kind of the the, the way you would go. Um, because a 964, it's, 993 is probably still a better driving experience than a 912.
1: We didn't cover the other obvious um, car that I suppose most. Um, enthusiasts would kind of cover which is an m3 of any kind of sort apart yeah, from well, yeah all yeah, bmws all
0: bmws in general don't you think i i i, I kind of missed the market on all bmws have, have you missed it because i didn't realize that it's gone so crazy i didn't actually I'm realize not, i don't follow it i don't um, follow it either i've just looked at a few used prices recently and i saw that option like i said on bring a trailer earlier but you know the um what is it the 2000 model m5 i know that uh the v8 yeah the 2000 model m5 apparently is a really really good car if you get one in manual yeah e39 2000 model m5 but i don't know i looked on the australian side i didn't look on the uk side there was one available that was it and Mm -hmm. then the m3 like we know the m3 from 2002 is it What's that model? E thirty nine? E forty six. E forty six. E forty six M three. That's M3. the sought
1: after one. Yeah. Yeah. So the manual, and I sent you that white one during the week. Ah, um, uh, you did. My cousin had one of those. Um, that was a brilliant car. I I had a kind of little tinker and uh, tittle in those in that car a, a few times, and they look they look really great. The sound of the engine is really nice. Very similar. That sort of inline six is similar to the one M that I had, although the one M's got a turbo. My uncle then got a, the E92, the V8, the first oh, yeah. V8, and yep. the first and only V8 M3, which was quite nice as well. I think that engine has sort of a few longevity issues, but it sounds amazing. Um, I'm not but quite this, sure this, about the new ones.
0: But that's the era, yeah, I was going to say, that's the era of BMW that you want to buy into, right? Because current yeah. generation, they kind of lost their way. Like, I think it's is the new M3 or M4 pictures of them and they're...
1: They're not very popular, right? They're kind of gone a little bit mm. odd. They've lost their way a little but, bit. But even the one that's just about to be superseded, um, they look. The styling of it looks great. Um, very, very conflicting kind of reviews when it first came out in terms of um, the engine. The engine sort of performance, like it's a turbo, and it sort of sounds like it's a bit spiky and it's plenty powerful. But it just sort of sounded like it's not the same old kind of um sort of bmw way of doing things mm.
0: but i think the old m3 that the what what is it e39 is it e40 yep the, the m3 the, yeah the m3 is which one i don't know the model the um, e46. e46 e46 m3 yep. and then the yep. m5 from 2000 i think they complement the the nine the porsche very well whether it be yeah, yeah. A standard or whatever that's a really good i think that'd be a great one to have in your garage alongside it um
1: I suspect the maintenance on both of those would be relatively high as well. Be high, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah.
0: But older BMWs are still better than the new ones. I wouldn't get a new one, that's for sure.
1: We didn't yeah, say Ferrari that's...
0: we didn't say Ferrari as a second to the Porsche. We didn't think a Ferrari would work.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't my uncle so my uncle who I keep referring to was a, is a German kind of car sort of guy, has been for a very long time he got out of his what did he have he had a 997.2 carrera 4 um he had that similar time to when i picked up my gt3 and then he switched teams he he got rid of that and he got himself into a f430 um, with the f1 transmission so the auto or the automated kind of transmission has he had trouble with that transmission no, he, you have trouble with the clutch. <laughs> the clutch wears really right. quickly in those things. He's got right. like a slight slight incline on his driveway and he has to back it out. And his independent mechanic told, like, could pick it and just sort of said, you're better off rolling your car in reverse, like, down your driveway um, because reversing the car out is wearing the clutch. Like, um, oh, they've got all right. the tools to kind of measure it. Ah, so oh, okay, okay. It, a clutch change in a in a Ferrari is not a cheap exercise. Yeah. Um, so look, he, he he loves that car. Um, I've driven it twice, I think, um, and I'd love to actually go back and have another sort of tinkle. But but he's owned this that for quite weird. some time, right? He bought that a long time ago. That was that was five over um, five years ago. After my GT3. Over five years. I've had ago, my right? GT3 six years, so I reckon he's had it for maybe four or five years. Yeah.
0: So how did you find just quickly we won't we won't get into it too deeply but how did you find driving the F430 to the GT3 prefer the GT3 <laughs> that but what was the main like what, real but what what was the main difference though? was it did you feel that was the Ferrari felt heavier did the Ferrari feel more planted did the GT3 um, feel more planted
1: uh I think the basic kind of reason why I say that was I didn't really enjoy the whole um the automatic transmission like you you you're using the paddles and it's a different way to like a double clutch kind of gearbox because you've got to drive it more like a manual. But I think just the the notion of not using, like rowing through the gears with your left hand, you know, right-hand drive car, um, it just isn't nearly as much fun. The engine does sound amazing in in that F430, but um, my uncle's car was standard. My car's got the exhaust on it. Um, I just sort of found the GT3 to be actually more interesting, to be perfectly honest. So um, he hasn't put plus, an exhaust on it? Your uncle has not he put doesn't, an on exhaust- He doesn't mod his cars. Really? My uncle doesn't tinker. Yeah.
0: Wow, because you can get great exhaust for that Ferrari.
1: Yeah, know, first thing maybe. I do is put one of those Capristo exhausts Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's Capristo,
0: it. yeah. That's the name. That was what um, I was trying to think of. I always think Tubi
1: is the name, but it's Capristo, right? Yeah, so it's, it, it's, it's a cool car. Um, but the other thing I think with that experience, like I said, I've only been in it once or twice, but everybody looks at you in a Ferrari. Like, and it, it's black, so it's not like it's bright red or bright yellow. But um, because it's quite loud on the outside, his is a spider as well. Maybe that's part of the reason why. Um, but uh, you, can't, you can't stop in traffic and not have everybody just sort of looking at you and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. um, See,
0: no one looks at me in the, my car at all. No one even takes a second glance.
1: Uh, I don't reckon that many people look at GT3 as well. To be yeah, perfect, Porsche, well is,
0: Porsche is too common. Porsche is too common. I mean, I I, yeah. I like the F430 that your uncle's got, but I I prefer hmm. the four, I prefer the look of the four five eight Italia personally. Um, but, yeah, same. Yeah, you know, if you were going to buy a Ferrari, four eight eight. I don't really like. Um, I like the L six twelve Scagaletti or whatever it is. One of those came yeah. up at Classic Throttle Shop in Sydney in in Le Mans blue, the best color in my eyes, and it came up with a manual transmission and it sold like almost straight away and it was only Mm -hmm. early 200000 Australian dollars and that was probably the best best 612 you would see anywhere in the world, I reckon. That was like immaculate. It had no miles on it. Uh, It was tan interior, Le Mans blue. It was beautiful. It's really beautiful.
1: I am really curious as to what the... um what the ownership experience is truly like. I, I think like probably two of the defining things are that you probably can't drive that much if you're worried about value. Um, like I, I think no, you if you're going drive worried. a heap, then it'll it'll tip. Yeah. Um. In value so badly, and that I sort of also wonder like truly what the maintenance is like because you know. <sighs>
0: We're, I guess, we're car
1: enthusiasts and stuff, and we talk about the maintenance that we spend on Porsche. Yeah. But I think if you really, if if you're really, really, truly honest about it, again, to depending on your standards, you can sink quite a bit of maintenance money in into a Porsche. So I can't imagine what it's like if you're fussy and you own a Ferrari.
0: This is why I think if you're getting a Ferrari, you buy a new one. You get the seven years warranty, seven years service that Ferrari now provides yeah. you. You know what I mean? I think that's a clever thing to do, right? If you're buying something like that, you have to put the money into it and you have to drive it. Like you said, you can't be too fussed about it, which is why I kind of appreciate people in London when you see it when you're around areas like um, Chelsea and Mayfair and stuff like that, the more affluent areas, Mm. and you see them parked in the street. Like you see these cars parked in the street. Like occasionally you see a Bugatti just parked on the street. You know what I mean? Like it's obviously been parked there overnight. Like it's crazy. Um, and you see Ferraris all the time. Porsches are just parked, you know what I mean? Because they don't have car yeah. parking in a lot of those Holland Hills and those places. They just park on the street. Um, but I read something the other day or I heard something. I forget what it was. I don't know if it was on YouTube or it was an article, that they reckon the yeah. A12 is one of the best cars. The A12 is really, really fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. A12 Superfast is apparently the best, the best Ferrari.
1: Yeah. So or even I, the, new, the new new one. I can't remember what the Tributo is. it? Oh, yeah. Chris Harris was writing about that on Instagram. But they say that that tribunal it's a bit would of between him and Preuninger about it.
0: Yeah, but didn't they say it's only just yeah. like a facelifted 488? It's basically a 488 facelifted with a new name. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought it was yeah, a completely uh, new apparently.
1: model. Well, I, I don't follow it. There's another, because there's two, there's an F, SF something or other, which is sort of like um, their hybrid as well, which kind of looks pretty cool. But Ferraris are another world. I think. I
0: think the hardest part about this is you start on a topic like this and you start talking about it. And it's just you and I talking about it now. But you see, you can't come to really any conclusion because there are a lot of options. You know what I mean? There's things that go better with the Porsche. I, like I said, I think BMWs complement the Porsche, especially older BMWs or even the 1M like you had, which is, you know, eight years old now when it came out in 2012, right? 2011, the 1M. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think older BMWs work well. Um, Ferrari, I think a Ferrari does kind of complement a Porsche, but I don't think it's something you would have as a second car. If you had a GT3, I don't think you'd have a 430 or a 458 or a 488 Ferrari to go alongside it. I think you'd have to have a third car, um, which is why mm. when you only have two cars it makes it really, really difficult. And I think you've got, I mean, for family-wise, I think you've got the perfect combination because you have the GT3, you have the Macan, they're both cool cars. They both mm-hmm. have different purposes and they both suit what's needed, you know what I mean? And I think it works yeah. it works really well. And they're the same colour, which is even better. So
1: yeah. <laughs> Which is terrible. <laughs> what, what must the neighbors think of us? It's like, oh, who are those wankers? Anyway.
0: Like I said, I think I've I think I've run out of breath. I think that the travel's getting to me. I'm starting to feel like weak, weak at the knees. I think I'm tired. Um, oh, good mate. Jet lag. Wrap it up. I don't know about you, like, it's, it only, it's, only, it's only a seven hour flight, but I just think it's, uh, I think it's just knocked me around today. Uh, hopefully this is recording is okay. Like I, Steve can't actually, I just want to let everyone know who's listening to this because I won't see a video of this, but I'm actually talking to Steve. He can't see my face because I've got this new microphone stand and the microphone is literally covering my face so that I don't have to lean over to the microphone. But what I've started to do, Steve, which I think I'm going to see in this recording is I keep moving off the, reco- off the, off the range of the microphone. These microphones are so temperamental if you don't speak directly into them. Um, maybe I should just have the little m- lapel mic like you've got and it'd be a lot
1: easier. Mm, the lapel mic's good, but it doesn't counter the fact when you're a mumbler and a low talker. So,
0: But I think this is okay today because, I don't know, my internet's better here than Bahrain. Uh, and I think this is a Zoom call again, so... Um people who are listening, if you think the, the, the quality is not so great, it's because these calls I'm doing with Steve, this series we're doing together, um, continuing together, it's, it's through Zoom because we're in different locations. Um, and until we work out something that sounds better, I think at the moment this is still – I think Zoom's still the best option for us. Don't you, Steve? No. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. When are what, you else? Um, what else? Anything else? Anything uh, else you want to share? I was going to ask you. What else did you buy? We Have you bought share? anything
1: else? No got no money
0: okay so um are you going to post those pictures on your instagram of your door pools and your gear knob and your console lid so people can see it because people keep asking me
1: no i'm not i'll <laughs> send it to you and you can post stuff if you want i okay if if people really want to know i'm desperately trying not to kind of build a social profile not that people really want to follow me anyway so um but they will don't. now after this podcast uh, there's nothing to see <laughs>
0: <laughs> alright uh, I think that's it for today We're done. When you, We're done. we done I keep was going to ask you when, yep. are you
1: when are you doing some more YouTube videos I haven't, seen you uh, kind of
0: haven't I do done, done any uh, I don't know I put the podcast up some people tell me that they'd like to see my face and they want me to start doing videos again I don't know about uh-huh.
1: that. I don't do know I just don't think videos? I have
0: uh, yeah I might do a watch video um, I was going to go and to rolex in bahrain before i left but i i was strong and i didn't go even though i wanted to go because i think they've got a, a lot of watches there and i think i could have actually got something oh, okay. because there are no no tourists in bahrain so there's no one buying watches there but now i'm in Will london so in london well this is not really a watch podcast but what i'm going to do Stephen, i told you i'm going to go and have a look oh. for the green tudor uh, Harrods. I'm going to see if I can get on the wait list for that because it's only a relatively yeah, cool. cheap, I'll say relatively cheap watch compared to a Rolex. It's like 3,000 yeah. pounds or something. Um, yep. I was thinking about the the uh, 58,
1: the whatever blue. you call it.
0: Yeah, the blue one. Tasha hates it. Like my, though, wife, my wife like hates 50, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tasha thinks it's boring. She doesn't like the look of it at all. Doesn't like the blue. She said it looks too schoolboy blue. So I might put that one on hold. Um, <laughs> I like the green one. I still want to get that a, a great. Black, I, great. <laughs> I still want to get a blackface. I still want to get a blackface explorer too. I would def, and I, I'm going to see if I can get one in London. I'm going to ask and see if there's anything around. I'm just going to test the waters um, at Watches of Switzerland here and Boucheret. I'm going to just test test the waters. Um, I got some Rolex books. I posted the picture on my um, Instagram. I got some Rolex magazines that I bought. They're a free magazine, mm-hmm. but I decided I wanted to pay, you know, 30 pounds for a magazine, so I bought them on eBay. Okay, that's weird Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't get them anymore. I tried to get some and I can't get them, so oh, people, okay. are, people are reselling them, so I bought it. Not Porsche-related. Right. I did buy something Porsche-related. I bought the new Type 7 book. I bought the Type 7 book by your, your friend Ted Gushu. Uh-huh. But,
1: but I haven't a opened bit of it sarcasm yet. there from <laughs> Michael because... <Hi>. <clears throat> Um, he's got, he's probably got the the job that we all want, but yeah, I'm not if, quite sure. If everyone
0: about. doesn't know what type seven is, and I don't know, most people should know what it is, right? It's basically Porsche's Instagram site done by Ted Gushu, correct? Porsche, yep. what is it? Lifestyle sort of thing. So it's not just Porsche cars, it's architecture
1: and other things, but it literally is Porsche's, it's controlled by Porsche. It's aimed at younger people than us, but it's trying to kind of bait people into the brand by showing them sort of more interesting kind of cultural things and then mm. every fourth post relates to Porsches but it's not actually sort of like a proper enthusiast kind of channel it's it's yeah. very interesting and aesthetically it's it's um quite amazing um I think highly I don't curated
0: mm, I think some of the posts I don't think it's that cure I, I don't want to be hard on it because I like it but I mm. I heard him talk and I don't think that what he talks of how it is is actually how it is. I think it right. is how a lot of other Instagram pages are like and I think he makes it out like it isn't and I think it actually is because they still repost other people's pictures. They still do what I do on Porsche Cool Instagram. Yes. You know what I sure. mean? And now the book that I bought and I bought it basically for a bit of research just to see what they have because mm. I am kind of interested in, in the production of books because... You know, books, as you know, you can get them printed quite cheaply in Malaysia and China. You, they don't cost that yep. much. Um, yep. And people seem to want printed material in books and magazines at the moment. So I actually bought uh, i bought it just to see how it is. Because basically, it's just the Instagram post in a book. I think that's all it is. Have you ever
1: did, you bought that Triple O book periodical thing, have you?
0: No, I haven't,
1: but I'm tempted to. That looks amazing. Yeah, um it's just very expensive and to have it sent to Australia. Like I I'd love to get my hands on one of those and have a look at it. But um Well,
0: you can get the you can get the special cheap. edition one, right? It comes in different coloured boxes, like metal boxes yeah. and stuff. Like that's that's expensive. But I, I think he's done a really good job, that guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um But I think yep, I, I, I think even duck and whale in Australia, that as a magazine, I think he's done quite well too, because it's it's you know, circulated worldwide and people enjoy it. So It's, you know, Triple O is a different type of thing. It's a lot more expensive. Yeah. And then there's Curves as well, the Curves magazine. Curves book, isn't it? I've not seen that one. Is it Curves? I think it's called Curves. Um, And what's the other one? There's one more, isn't there? But Triple O is the one to get, yeah. Oh, 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 what do you Mm. call it? That's the one to get. Yeah. What did I buy? Oh, I did buy something else and it is kind of Porsche related. I bought the um, first issue of Houdinki magazine because they've been out yeah. of stock for two years and I got an email last night saying it's back in stock. They've reprinted it. And the reason why mm-hmm. I bought it is because it has the Porsche 1965 in it, which is obviously, um, what's the Houdinki guy? It's obviously his car because he has that uh, um, Ben Kleiner. Ben Kleiner. I think he has a 1965 Porsche 911. Has a kind of interesting heritage, I think, as well. He's got that car. Right. I think that's what's in the magazine because it's the very first issue. It's got Daytona mm-hmm. on the cover, which is good, and it also talks about uh, Sea Dweller, which I own one—the Red Sea Dweller. So I don't know if it's talking about the red one, but it's the Sea Dweller. So I just bought one of the copies. It's like Triple O that you were saying, Steve. I, I haven't oh. bought the Houdinky magazine before so, or book whatever it is, so I don't know what it's like. So I thought I'll buy one. If I like it, then i might buy the other the other ones that
1: are available still.
0: Yeah, because I think it talks expensive about, hobbies,
1: mate. Yeah, very true, expensive true. hobbies.
0: <laughs> all right, I'm going to let Steve go. He's got things to do. Uh, he's probably going to go back to sleep because he's been up since two thirty in the morning. But that's about it. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. All good. Cool. We'll talk to Take you care. again very, very soon in the next podcast on all Be your cool. major Excuse on all your major podcast platforms. <laughs> <laughs> what? All no right. goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye for now.